late and disorganized. And I'm going to try to make this a full episode. I've been doing a lot of um, short stuff because I'll do an episode. Uh, I'll do, like, I'll be just, you know, I may talk with someone or I may just be ruminating, you know, driving around. I like that big word, ruminate. <laughs> I just learned that. <laughs> um, I'll be driving around, you know, just thinking and everything. And I'll do, I'll be like, you know what? I'm thinking so much about this. Maybe it's a sign that, you know, I should, you know, do a podcast about it because who knows? I always feel like I don't put too much hope or emphasis into the podcast, like taking off and becoming famous and making money and all of that stuff. With with this, is more like a passion project. I think small, like if all of that were to happen, that'd be great. But I like, I want to, I really would like, I really do want that the, the episodes that I do, the shows that I do, it to touch the heart of one person <clears throat> you make one person look at life differently help them out you know it sometimes it takes a, a, someone seeing things from a different perspective and and laying it down for you to where you can see it and help change your viewpoint like one person you know that's my, my thought process. It's, it's, it helps one person. That That's enough for me. <clears throat> so with that in mind, this episode, I wanted to speak on, we'll start off with the relationship segment. What is your relationship with self-actualization? How do you view yourself? Um, and I always try to pose these questions, pose these things, by speaking on my own, you know, interaction with the topic, <clears throat> I seen a meme, and it's funny how memes are like things that can spark thoughts and you know deep thinking. At least for me, it was a meme that said, um, "Once you realize your worth, your true worth." You're going to be surprised at what you let slide. You're going to be surprised at what was around you and what you, you know, just just dealt with. Because it's something that we're all working on. Like, no matter, unless you're you're a type of person that has the utmost confidence in yourself and it's true confidence, it's true self-esteem. I mean, strong and unshakable. I, you know, I applaud anyone who is like that, but we're all working. I feel like we're all working to understand our true worth. And there is a time when you're going through that journey where wherever you feel your worth is, is what you think is, it is, it's absolute. Like there cannot be any difference. And once you get to the point to where you start to open your mind up that you are worth more than your current situation, 
or your current surroundings or the, the current person you're with or whatever the situation may be. Once you get to the point to where you, you start to open your mind that I, I'm worth more than this for myself, you know, it, once you get to that point, that's when the journey begins. And it's a, it's a tough journey because you now are trying to, you now have the understanding that it's a possibility. So with it being a possibility, you're going to go through trials and tribulations trying to understand and seek out that word. And every time you, you, you think you, you accomplished to where you understand your worth, there will always be some trial or tribulation that will bring you back to where you were when you started. It'll trigger you and you'll be, you know, back at square one, questioning yourself again about whatever the situation may be. And that will roll on time and time and time again. And it always seems like a possibility. It always seems like there's a mountaintop. Like you, 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 maybe there's a mountaintop, and maybe you can reach it, but you don't believe it. Not fully. And then you know what I would say is, don't give up on that work. That work is hard. That work is long. It takes a long time. You will reach a point where. It's not, it's no longer a possibility. It's a fact that your worth lies higher than what you believe it to be. So now it's a fact. You may be aware that it's a fact, but it still is not at that level. So now you moved on from it being a possibility to it being a fact. And now there's more additional work to self-actualize that fact, to make it a reality. You know, in um, in society, every there's this this layer of everyone behaving like they got their shit together that they understand themselves, that they are their most top level of who they are. But it's a constant, constant journey. It's a constant, constant journey. We all have doubts. We all question ourselves. We're all at different levels of trying to make the belief turn into a possibility, turn into a fact, turn into a reality. We're all at different points in that journey. And there are people who have gotten to the point to where it's a reality to them. And they aren't the people that you may think it might be. They are some of the most peaceful people. Because as you go through this journey and you reach point to point to point, a lot of things that used to trigger you, that used to make you go off, that used to make you question your worth, they, they fall by the wayside. 
you become a lot more peaceful and a lot less triggered. So with that in context, you have to understand that those that are the most peaceful, not the nicest, not the most gentle, the most peaceful, the most peaceful people have reached that reality of their self-worth. I um, used to know someone that had been through a lot. They lost their parents. They lost their brother. They lost their home. They were homeless. They lost their job. You know, it, it seemed like it was like an insurmountable, like just too many things that were happening and they went through a lot. And you would think that that much happening to someone would lead them to being very negative, depressed, you know, just in a bad space. But this person is the most peaceful when when things happen negative things or things that you may deem negative it's not even a it is what it is it's not even them trying to spin it to look at it optimistically and make themselves feel better this person is able to peacefully witness the occasion experience their feelings and move on they don't hold it they're at peace they realize their self worth like that's I think that's what I'm trying to get to I would hope that that's what we're all trying to get to because life always throws things at you. Um, happiness is not the absence of problems. It's being able to live with problems at peace. When I was when I was young, I asked my grandmother, "How how do you be happy?" And she told me. I don't think about being happy. I think about being content. And that pissed me off when I was younger because it was like, what kind of answer is that? Like, I don't want to be content. I want to be happy. I always felt content as just being okay with everything that's going on. Not trying to strive for anything. Not trying to accomplish anything. Just being okay with where you are. And uh, I'm finally understanding what she means when she said that. Happiness comes and goes. Sadness comes and goes. Being able to live content, to be able to appreciate the happiness, the happy times. Being able to allow yourself to experience the negative times and knowing that they all pass. 
And with the grace of God, you wake up the next day and are able to experience it once again. And that's the relationship. person that I can hear songs, I can hear a song forever and not know the name of the song. Like, I can watch TV shows and not know the name of one episode, not know the name of one character. Like, I'm always fascinated when I'll, I'll talk with someone about a show and I'll be like, the episode when old boy did the, uh, the thing and got in the blue car and then they went around the corner and it was like a yellow card and the chick with the red hair. And they'd be like, oh yeah, you're talking about um, Passions on Doubt. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, that's the name of the episode. Like, who, who the fuck knows? <laughs> but I realized it's just, I, people do. I guess I'm just one of the, the individuals who just, I, I, I never cared enough to, to know the name of the episodes. And I never cared enough to know the name of a lot of songs. I always think that the chorus is the name. But I'm speaking on that because um, there's a song that I believe for me now, where I'm at right now, the age I'm at, is probably the greatest song of all time to me, which is Alicia Keys' Diary. I thought the name of the song was Secrets. Because to that, to me, there are a lot of songs, a lot of ballads that um, men sing to women, women sing to men, but a lot of them kind of encompass what men think women want to hear, or women are supposed to hear, or, or women will do what they think men want to hear, or men are supposed to hear. Um, but that song in general, it's a very epic song to me because when it comes to relationships, there is no greater trait for me and a woman than a woman who you can confide in and not feel like whatever you tell her won't be said, I don't know if I said that right, but I think y'all get it, which is why it's such a great song, because who, you don't really, you don't really hear that, you know, you don't really hear a song in which a woman understands that, that that's a great attribute. As a, as, a, as a man, it's not many places that we feel comfortable confiding our innermost truths. 
So when you have a woman who creates a ballad that basically says, I understand and I'll keep your secrets. Like that, and then the way she she sings it, there are certain parts in which when she says certain things passionately, it's like that's that's exactly where you should have that passion. Like I understand that when it comes to song making songs, you got producers, you got songwriters, and you got the singer. So there's a good chance that there's a possibility that you know she had help in crafting it and knowing how to do it just right, you know. But I don't know all of that to be absolute. I don't know how much is her contribution, how much is others' contribution, but I do know it's it's a very well-crafted song because it hits every point, word, every word, and then at the end where she's singing to the guy and the guy's singing back and it's like, uh, understanding and then you know they sing back and forth to each other and it's passionate it's like you know it's very mean it's a very meaningful song because it gets it it's one of the few songs that I've ever heard that it's like the, whoever crafted it got it like you got a lot of women making songs, singing to guys about how they do this and they do that, or female rappers, you know, and they still, they're responding to men from the misogynistic way that men look at view women. So I'm going to do be all the things that I've been told men want. And with that song, that's not one of the things that men verbalize that we want. Someone who we feel no fear in confiding in because we know to the day they die this person will never tell another person like they may I may say this or that and she may you know repeat it to other people but there are certain things when I can tell you something that's a secret when you know me well enough to the point that I can tell you something and not tell you it's a secret and you know it's a secret and then you keep it close to the vest. And then at the same time, don't judge me off of that secret. It's just something that that help you feel like you understand me more. And you appreciate that I let you in. That's not something um, most men take lightly. That's why I think that song, for all those reasons, is the greatest song ever. not even Alicia Keys fan that's the funny thing about it like I, I, up until I was probably 28 I didn't even like R&B like I absolutely when I was young I absolutely hated R&B like a bunch of emotional motherfuckers crying and singing about, that's that's the way I thought about R&B and the first album that I tried to give a chance was uh, Mario Winans uh, I don't know the name of the album but it had that song I don't want to know because I like the beat so I copped the album and it literally was just this man being weak and crying to women. And I was like, yeah, this is why I don't fuck with R&B. I don't like viewing the relationship from the standpoint of begging. Like, when you think about that song in general, you, how, what do you mean 
you don't want to know. Like, we just talked about self-worth. What type? Who? Yo, like, really? We we really listened to that song and, and liked it. And here's this grown man with such little self-worth saying that he, this woman is his everything and if she is doing something, he don't even want to know. Like, don't even mention it. I, like, I might see it. I'm going to cover my eyes. I don't want to know. That's, that's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> like, there's one way, like, you, that's, a, that's an amazing way to get over insecurity. Like, you're going to be so insecure. Like, you know what? I'm not even going to deal with this insecurity. I'm just going to act like it don't even, whatever you're doing, don't exist. That's wild. But that's my rambling, disorganized thoughts. suggestion was that um, the cancer the kidney be removed because they didn't want to do like exploratory whatever so she's a complete emotional wreck um, and I'm completely calm and I'm not calm because I don't care I'm calm because it's like I just don't she feels like she's going to go into surgery and die or she's going to die pretty soon and I'm just not worried because I just don't even see it as a possibility. And I, I learned to trust my gut with stuff like that. If I'm worried, then I'm worried. But if I'm not worried, as worrisome as I can be, I know there's nothing to be worried about. So I just was going into it calm and I just wanted to be, you know, supportive. Um, so the day that we go to the hospital so she can have her surgery, I think we went there and then the doctor said that she had to go in the back and start getting prepped and everything. So I'm there and I'm there with her, her mother. And so we're sitting in the waiting room. It's a big waiting room with a lot of people. And we're sitting next to each other and we don't say one word to each other for I think like, <laughs> for like, an hour and a half, right? So, hour and a half goes by, and the doctor comes to uh, her and I, and she and they, the doctor says, y'all can go back there and see her. So, we go back there, and 
and she's still a wreck and she's emotional. We have a few words before surgery and she starts crying. And then the mother, her mother says a prayer um, with the doctor and uh, my children's mother and me lowering our head. And now she's bowling up even more because I don't, I don't know why, but she's just going even more with the tears. And as we're leaving and they're starting to wheel her away, she's crying even more. And even through all of this, like I am completely unbothered, which in a weird way is making me happy because the fact that all of this dramatic stuff is happening and I still am unbothered even gives more confidence to everything is going to be okay. So she goes into surgery. We go back to the waiting room. We're there for another two hours not saying a word to each other. I don't know if her mother doesn't like me or what. I don't know. So, uh, as, after time goes by, we're both hungry. We just leave and say, you know, while the surgery's going on, we're going to get something to eat. So, I walk to the uh, cafeteria downstairs. I leave before her mother left. I got me something to eat, and I'm starting to walk back to the waiting room. And I see her mother, like, 100 yards in front of me. And as we start to cross paths, she doesn't even look my way, doesn't even acknowledge my existence, just walks straight past. And I thought that was hilarious. It was like, okay, whatever. So I go back into the waiting room. Um, her mother comes back, I think, 30 minutes later. We sit in there for another two, three hours, not saying a word to each other. And then we finally start talking. I forget why, what it was about, but I was just talking in general with her mother spirits got lifted from the conversation she like like one of those things where someone was like oh you really ain't as awful as I thought you were which I thought was funny so the doctor comes doctor tells us that you know everything went by everything went through she's in there you know she's in recovery we can go in the recovery see her excuse me so we go back there I get back there first and while I'm sitting there, the nurse is telling me that, you know, she's heavily sedated. Um, do not try to communicate with her because the more she tries to fight the sedation, the stronger it's going to get and the more pain she's going to feel. And we really need her to be cognizant before we can give her pain medication. So she really needs to wake herself up a little bit before we can give her the medication. If y'all try to talk to her, it's gonna delay that. So I'm like, all right, bet. Her mother comes in there and her mother calls her boo-boo, which is funny because her mother never really has pet names for her. And then her brother comes. So her mother and her brother are trying to talk to her, like kind of communicate with her. And I could see her kind of forcing herself to wake up. And it's like, this dude just told me not to uh to do what they doing but at the same time it's like who am i to tell her brother and her mother what to do in a situation like they this is their family they've they known for their whole life so that was starting to get to me to the point to where i didn't want to interrupt this family moment so i left which probably on them made it seem like you know i just bounced but i had i left and i went to go check on the kids make um, make sure everything was good with the kids. So I was gone probably for a few hours and I came back. She was still um, sleep. 
but she had at some point wet woken herself up so now she was able to be sedated so, um, what do you call it in the pain meds so now she was even, even in, in a pain med sleep so I sat there for about you know a few hours it was getting late I said you know let me go home and try to get a few hours of sleep because I can't sleep in this hospital I can't sleep in this chair I need comfortable sleep if I'm going to be able to um, support her when she wake up. So I went home and um, I slept for about three hours. I drove back to the hospital, probably about, got there at 3 a.m. As I got there at 3 a.m., she was waking up. And, you know, what's funny is that well, before she woke up, I'm sitting in the chair next to her bed and they had just got done doing surgery on the lady who had back surgery. So when the lady wheeled in, they kept trying to like tell the lady that, you know, we can't give you pain medication until you answer some questions for us. And the lady's like, oh Lord, oh Lord. She's just screaming and going crazy. She's screaming and going crazy. And I'm like, it's starting to bother me because it's like they asking her simple questions. Like, just shut up and answer the questions so they can give you the pain medication so you'll be all right. So it was like, who is the president? What city do you live in? And she just, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, my back is, is pissing me off. Like, yo, just answer the question. You're annoying the shit out of me. So after, this, had, this literally went on for an hour where they trying to talk to her. I heard just screaming. So in this time, my children's mother woke up and I'm just on my phone. I already got to the point where I'm just ignoring this. And my, my children's mother's like, who, what's all that noise? I'm like, oh, this is a lady over there. She, um, she's got a surgery. And that went on for a while. We talked for a minute and then I left to go back home because I had to um, make sure I get up in the morning to drop the kids off at school. And the funny thing about that, that part is that my children's mother was telling the story about how when she was in the hospital, this lady was screaming. She was like, Zach was so calm. He, that lady was screaming and he was just on this phone, not even bothered. It's funny the perception that people have about people because I was absolutely bothered, but it had been going on for so long. I just allowed myself not to be bothered by it. So uh, how does this end? We, she eventually get out of recovery and uh, get, gets her own room. And I brought the kids by. And what's funny is that while my, my children's mother was in, incapacitated, my children's personalities flipped. Because my daughter, who's usually on top of it, became really withdrawn. My son, who's usually uh, lackadaisical and kind of uh, disorganized became very you know on top of it so I thought that was a weird dynamic that their, their mother being in a situation like this completely changed their personalities for that moment and then my youngest who was just always at ease when we get into the room my, my, my daughter goes to the opposite side of the room far away from her mother my son goes to the, to his mother and starts hugging her. My youngest walks in there and asks my um, their mother, you gonna eat that banana? <laughs> and just sits on the bed like she's at home and starts eating the banana. She doesn't care. 
And she's aware of the situation, but I was like, I, I like that she has, she must be picking up on the vibe that I have that you just don't feel like there's anything wrong. But that was an interesting story about her having um, her her deal with uh, kidney cancer. They did remove the kidney. Um, she has been to several doctor's appointments since then. Since then, they said the cancer has not returned. So good for her. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, man. I don't know what it is with me. I'm not sure if anyone else goes through this because I'm an overthinker. I'm a, when I'm when I worry, I worry. Sometimes when there's nothing to worry about. So when I in a situation when I should worry and I felt absolutely no desire to, I just knew everything would be okay. It's funny how that works. And that's story time. Thank you for listening to Late and Disorganized tonight in the morning, afternoon, I don't know. Uh, what did I used to say? If you with me, you with me, you get me. That's kind of, I don't know, it feels corny now. I don't know why. Good night. Thank you.